0: The Moon Medal. Chapter Fourteen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Betsy Bush in Marquette, Michigan, June two thousand seven. The Moon Medal by Garrett P. Service. Chapter Fourteen. The Last of Doctor Six. Many years after the events last recorded, I sat at the close of a brilliant autumn day side by side with my old friend Andrew Hall on a broad, vine shaded piazza which faced the east, where the full moon was just rising above the rim of the Sierra and replacing the rosy counterglow of sunset with its silvery radiance. The sight was calculated to carry the minds of both back to the events of former years but I noticed that Hall quickly changed the position of his chair, and sat down again with his back to the rising moon. He had managed to save some millions from the wreck of his vast fortune when Artemisium started to go to the dogs, and I was now paying him one of my annual visits at his palatial home in California. "'Did I ever tell you of my last trip to the Teton?' he asked, as I continued to gaze contemplatively at the broad lunar disk, which slowly detached itself from the horizon, and began to swim in the clear evening sky. No, I replied, but I should like to hear about it. Or of my last sight of Dr. Six? Indeed, I did not suppose that you ever saw him after that conference in your mill, when he had to surrender half of the world to you. "'Once only I saw him again,' said Hall, with a peculiar intonation. "'Pray go ahead and tell me the whole story.' My friend lighted a fresh cigar, tipped his chair into a more comfortable position, and began. "'It was about seven years ago. I had long felt an inconquerable desire to have another look at the Teton, and the scenes amid which so many strange events in my life had occurred.' I thought of sending for you to go with me, but I knew you were abroad much of your time, and I could not be certain of catching you. Finally, I decided to go alone. I travelled on horseback by way of the Snake River Canyon, and arrived early one morning in Jackson's Hole. I can tell you it was a gloomy place, as barren and deserted as some of those Arabian waities that you have been describing to me. The railroad had long ago been abandoned— and the sight of the military camp could scarcely be recognized. An immense cavity with ragged walls showed where Doctor Six's mill used to send up its plume of black smoke. As I stared up at the gaunt form of the Teton, whose beetling precipices had been smashed and split by the great explosion, I was seized with a resistless impulse to climb it. I thought I should like to peer off again from that pinnacle which had once formed so fateful a watchtower for me. Turning my horse loose to graze in the grassy river-bottom, and carrying my rope-tether along as a possible aid in climbing, I set out for the ascent. I knew I could not get up the precipices on the eastern side, which we were able to master with the aid of our balloon, and so I bore around when I reached the steepest cliffs, until I was on the southwestern side of the peak, where the climbing was easier. But it took me a long time, and I did not reach the rift in the summit, until just before sundown, knowing that it would be impossible for me to descend at night. I bethought me of the enclosure of rocks supposed to have been made by Indians on the western pinnacle, and decided that I would pass the night there. The perpendicular buttress forming the easternmost and highest point of the Teton's head would have baffled me but for the fact that I found a long crack, probably an effect of the tremendous explosion, extending from bottom to top of the rock. Driving my toes and fingers into this rift, I managed with a good deal of trouble and no little peril to reach the top. As I lifted myself over the edge and rose to my feet, imagine my amazement at seeing Dr. Six standing within arm's length of me! My breath seemed pent in my lungs, and I could not even utter the exclamation that rose to my lips. It was like meeting a ghost. "'Notwithstanding the many reports of his having been seen in various parts of the world, "'it had always been my conviction that he had perished in the explosion. "'Yet there he stood in the twilight, for the sun was hidden by the time I reached the summit, "'his tall form erect and his black eyes gleaming under the heavy brows, "'as he fixed them sternly upon my face. "'You know, I never was given to losing my nerve, but I am afraid I lost it on that occasion.' Again and again I strove to speak, but it was impossible to move my tongue. So powerless seemed my lungs that I wondered how I could continue breathing. The doctor remained silent, but his curious smile, which, as you know, was a thing of terror to most people, overspread his black-rimmed face, and was broad enough to reveal the gleam of his teeth. I felt that he was looking me through and through. The sensation was as if— he had transfixed me with an ice-cold blade. There was a gleam of devilish pleasure in his eyes, as though my evident suffering was a delight to him, and a gratification of his vengeance. At length I succeeded in overcoming the feeling which oppressed me, and making a step forward I shouted in a strained voice, "'You black Satan!' I cannot clearly explain the psychological process which led me to utter those words, I had never entertained any enmity towards Dr. Six, although I had always regarded him as a heartless person, who had purposely led thousands to their ruin for his selfish gain. But I knew that he could not help hating me, and I felt now that, in some inexplicable manner, a struggle, not physical but spiritual, was taking place between us, and my exclamation uttered with surprising intensity, produced upon me, and apparently upon him, the effect of a desperate sword-thrust which attains its mark. Immediately the doctor's form seemed to recede, as if he had passed the verge of the precipice behind him. At the same time it became dim, and then dimmer, until only the dark outlines, and particularly the jet-black eyes glaring fiercely, remained visible. And still he receded, as though floating in the air, which was now silvered with the evening light, until he appeared to cross the immense atmospheric gulf over Jackson Hole, and paused on the rim of the horizon in the east. Then suddenly I became aware that the full moon had risen at the very place on the distant mountain brow where the spectre rested, and as I continued to gaze, as if entranced, the face and figure of the doctor seemed slowly to frame themselves within the lunar disk, until at last he appeared to have quitted the air and the earth and to be frowning at me from the circle of the moon. While Hall was pronouncing his closing words, I had begun to stare at the moon, with swiftly increasing interest, until, as his voice stopped, I exclaimed, Why, there he is now! Funny, I never noticed it before. There's Dr. Six's face in the moon, as plain as day. Yes, replied Hall, without turning round, and I never like to look at it. End of chapter fourteen. End of the Moon Medal by Garrett P. Service. This recording is in the public domain.